So are you ready for a shift? Anybody ready for a shift tonight? Yeah, we need a shift, and Jesus knows that about us, because like we just heard, he knows we're stuck in two overlapping kingdoms, and the tendency is to drift towards the here and now, and he's always trying to lift us up to the forever kingdom that is going to ultimately trump everything we see. And he's pulling us up into that, and he never does it more clearly than in this teaching called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And in the middle of it, he's teaching us how to pray. And when he teaches us how to pray, he's not like giving us a formula, this little rote prayer that we can just repeat and repeat and repeat, but he's really teaching us how to think rightly about who he is as we pray. And I want us to read the prayer together, Matthew chapter 5. Verse 9, if you just jumped in with us, I, I can't back all the way up tonight and catch us up, but you know we're talking about the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer of Jesus, and the words are going to come up on the screen. I'm reading out of NIV, so if you have NIV, you can read right out of your Bible. If not, you might want to read along on the screen, because I want us to read this prayer out loud together, beginning in verse 9, Matthew chapter 6, the words of Jesus. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, now remember that this isn't necessarily what we should pray, but it's how we should pray. In other words, Jesus isn't saying, I want to give you a little daily formula and just repeat this every single day. He's really saying, I want you to see how you approach God and how your life changes in relationship with God and then see how that trickles down to the way that you communicate when you do talk to God. He doesn't say, if you pray. He says, when you pray, pray like this. And he's giving us the shifting prayers. We took a statement the first week. It was this first verse. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, holy, set apart is your name. We talked about how our prayers are hollow if we aren't tapped in to the hallowed and we don't know who we're dealing with, that we have a holy, heavenly Father who knows what we need before we even ask. The next phrase, just as powerful, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about how, you know, this is a big shift for humanity because we move from what I want, my will, my plans, my desires, my path to, no, God, I want to do it your way. I want your kingdom to come into my world. I want your will to be done in this little place of earth that I'm occupying for your kingdom. And we talked about that phrase that shift means that each of us occupies our spot of earth in Jesus' name, praying for a kingdom shift to come in the place of earth that God has put each one of us. And then we come to this next phrase, six simple words. I love it because no one in the building tonight will have to exert massive brain power to understand what Jesus wants to shift in your life tonight. 
Six simple words, not six easy words, but six simple words. I find that is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God isn't easy, but it is simple. You don't have to have like a heavy-duty theological degree to understand how you should pray because Jesus just spells it out, and particularly in verse 11 with these words. Give us, say it with me, today our daily bread. A big shift is coming from Jesus because what he's saying is God is going to be enough for you today. God's promise for you is whatever you need from him today, he's going to provide that for you under this heading that says Jesus is enough for today. He said, when you pray, be thinking like this in your mind. Don't be preoccupied with a month from now, with how the semester is going to end up, with how the summer thing is going to work out, with how whatever the other problems are that are still unsolved. Remember that you have a father who knows what you need, and think about this as you're praying. God, I know that you're going to provide what I need for this very day. And when he said this, the imagination of his hearers was ignited, and they knew he was referencing the children of Israel as they were being led out of the bondage of Egypt into the promised land. You know the story, Moses called by God to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom in the future that God had dreamed about for them. And in this moment, they come out of Egypt, they come through the Red Sea, they come into the wilderness, and they ask the question, what are we going to eat? And everyone who's been around church, those of you who don't know, amazing story, but they say, God, how, how are you going to pri- provide for us? Moses, what's going to happen here? And Moses goes to God and says, what are you going to do? And God says, I'm going to give them food to eat every single morning. When you open up your tent in the morning, there's going to be a white substance covering the ground, and it is going to be my provision for you for the day. So the very next day, of course, people woke up. They opened the tents, and absolutely, just like God had said, there was a white substance covering the ground. We know it's called manna because that's what they called it. Manna means what is it? And they went out and started gathering it and the first bold person said, well, I'm going to eat it. Moses said it's God's food, so I'm going to eat it. Well, you eat it first. And so some guy scooped it up ate it and said, wow, it's not too bad, manna. And uh, the next person ate it and the next person ate it. Now everybody's eating manna. But God said this to them. He said, hey, Don't store it up because I'm going to provide a new supply every single morning. And they were just like you and me. They were like, yeah, okay, well, you don't store it up, but I'm going to store it up because what if something goes wrong tomorrow? I'm going to have manna for tomorrow because apparently there was more than enough every single morning. And so some people stored it up in jars and tried to keep it till the next day. And I love God. He was like, okay, uh, here's the deal then. They got up the next day and their manna was maggot infested. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because God wanted them to know that it wasn't about the manna, it was about him providing for them their daily bread. And when Jesus said, as you're praying, pray this way, give us today our daily bread, they all went, manna in the wilderness, the provision of God for every single day, and something triggered in them, and that's what I want to trigger in our hearts tonight. I want us to get happy around this idea that Jesus is enough for today. Now, I had some some idea about how people would respond to that, so I did a little test this week on Twitter, and I tweeted that one morning, Jesus is enough for today, because I wanted to see how people would respond, and people started responding just like I thought they would. They started adding to that, retweet, 
Jesus is enough for today, slash, slash, and every day. Jesus is enough for today and for all of the days. Jesus is enough for, uh, for today and for tomorrow. Jesus is more than enough for today. And I'm like, you know what? Congratulations to all of that. But the promise of Jesus is, and the shift of Jesus is, we have the opportunity to have our needs met by God for this day. And that promise has an expiration date on it, and it's called today. It's called today. You're like, no, 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 no. Jesus really is good for all the days. He's good like yesterday and and today and tomorrow. That's what the Bible says, right? No, that is not what the Bible says. I didn't think it was, but I went and looked it up just to be sure. And this is what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same. And here's when he's the same. He's the same yesterday. Say it with me if you know it. He's the same today and he's the same forever. Didn't mention tomorrow. You seeing what I'm seeing? I had a shift, people. You say, well, well, well isn't he going to be the same tomorrow? He will be the same tomorrow, but only when tomorrow's called today is he going to be the same. Because there potentially for you is another day on the calendar that we call tomorrow, but there are no promises that you can access about tomorrow. The only promises of God that you can access are today's promises, and only when, I love this, I'm shifting inside, I might shout in just a minute, I'm going to give you a head start and a warning on that, only when tomorrow is called today can you access the promises of God to give us this day our daily bread. You cannot get tomorrow's daily bread today, because until tomorrow is called today, there are not activatable promises in it, because the promise is of God to be all that we need Today, Jesus is enough for today. And you say, well, wait a minute. So what's the forever part in there? That simply means that we can look back in time and know that God was faithful. Yesterday, God's been the same. We can look all the way back to Moses, all the way back to the Israelites, all through the ages, and see story after story Legacy after legacy of the faithfulness of God, we know that God has promised to be faithful in this moment, and that we know that whatever the future holds, he will be faithful in that. But here's the thing. Everybody in this building doesn't have the guarantee of tomorrow, but you do have the promise of forever, and he will be the same yesterday, and he will be the same today. And if for some reason you don't get tomorrow and you skip straight into forever, he will be the same forever. Now there is a preparation, there's a teaching through scripture about being prepared for the things ahead. We're not saying today don't be prepared for the things ahead. We're just saying today, don't let tomorrow steal your opportunity to believe that God is enough for you today. And if you want to go over-spiritual on us, and I get it, because I would say the same thing and say, oh, no, he's more than enough for today. That's fine. Let's just make sure we're getting the enough for today before we start all banging our pots and pans about the more than enough for today. Because I find as believers, we're way more fired up about saying, Jesus is going to be faithful to me any days of my life, all the days of my life. He's going to come through for me and be more than enough for me all the days of my life. Meanwhile, we are not living in the fullness of his promise in this day. And Jesus said, I want you to shift the way that you think, and I want you to believe that God goes before you, 
And he is going to provide for you in this day everything you need. And when that day is called today, he will provide everything you need for that day. I was trying to come up with a mental picture because I like mental pictures and the best mental picture I could come up with for what God's trying to say to us today is this one right here. This, my friends, is a lunchbox. You can Google it when you get home and you can verify it any which way you want to. This is a lunchbox. It's a Curious George lunchbox. Did anybody have or does anyone currently have a Curious George lunchbox right here? A few other people, a couple people. Did, did anybody understand the concept of taking your lunch to school? Did someone set a lunchbox out? I mean, this is old school, I know. Nowadays, come on, people are so high tech. You got that little zippered pouch, you know. It's got dry ice on one side and a little heating unit on the other side. And you got your little chicken wings over here and sliced apple with that caramel dipping sauce over here and carrots and celery with low fat and regular ranch dressing over here. You know, it's just a whole nother day. But does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Had you ever experienced in your life either having a lunch made for you or making a lunch for someone else? Your mom, dad, older brother, sister making your lunch or you making a, a son or daughter's lunch? Anybody ever experienced that in your lifetime? Oh, okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Well, this is the picture then because this, my friends, is all you need when you're heading out to school. You are not worried about what we're having for supper. You don't care if we're having rice aroni tonight or whether we're having the salmon croquettes again or the meatloaf or the pizza or whatever is on, you know, the schedule for tonight's meal. You know when you walk out the door that everything you need for your sustenance for the day is inside this box. And that's all you need to know. And you're heading out into the day going, it's going to work out today because of what's in here. And that's the picture that Jesus is trying to give to us. And I don't want to belittle the power of the message with a curious George lunchbox, but I want him to put a picture in our minds that we won't forget. And so what's, what's in the box? What do you think's in the box? Anybody, what do you think's in there? I'll tell you what's in there because God wants you to know what he's promising you every single day. And it starts out with this. It's every single day, God is promising you that when you start into your day, you start into your day with the unfailing love of God. You start into the day in your possession with the reality that you matter to God and that you are desperately loved by him. Nobody goes into the day feeling unloved because God sets us in the day as loved sons and daughters of Almighty God. We start the day being loved by Him. You say, well, how do you know that? Because He gives us our daily bread, and everybody in this building needs to know that you are loved. Even more than you need lunch, you need to know that you matter to God and that you're loved. And every day as you move out, there is a reminder from God saying to you, I love you. I love the way, just going back to the Israelites and to that journey that Moses took them on, I love the way that God promised this to them. If you have uh, scripture, look back at Exodus chapter 15. This is one of the earliest songs of the church, a beautiful song, one of the few songs that Chris Tomlin didn't write or have a part in writing. It's the song of Moses and Miriam. And the Israelites had just come through the Red Sea, and after seeing what happened, 
They wrote and sang this song. I don't think they had it like, you know, in the rotation. I think it was a, a new song that they sang after, they sang after seeing the waters crash back down on the armies of the Pharaoh. And it says in verse 1, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. It starts out pretty awesome. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Sounds like we could sing some version of that. But then it gets really interesting. Next phrase, the horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Now, that's pretty strong right there. That is a getting up there uh, in your face kind of worship song. But then look down at verse 5. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. I can just hear them singing that. They sank to the depths like a stone. They sank to the depths like a stone. You know, I don't know where the Irish bar tune came into the song of Moses and Miriam, but, you know, somehow you can see it all happening. But notice in the middle of the song, verse 13, shift of gears again, and they're singing to God, and they're convinced of this. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. In the process of freeing them from darkness and leading them to life, God promised them, you are the people I love. And with my unfailing love, in other words, when it's called today, you can count on this. My love will be there for you. It's in the box. The second thing that's in the box is this guy right here, and this is pretty awesome right here. I love that guy. He's in the box. You're like, what in the world is he doing in the box, and who is he? He is a picture and a representation of the angel armies of God that he has set on call on your behalf as he leads you forward into today because in the box is a promise from God that he will fight your battles for you in this day. That is a powerful thing. Exodus 14, just going back a few verses from the song of Miriam and Moses, the, the waters have parted, the, the, the ground of the sea is dry, the Israelites have crossed over, but now here comes Pharaoh with a change of heart and all of his horses and chariots, and they're now coming in to the dry ground. And the people of Israel are like, what are we gonna do now? Moses turns to God, the waters come over them, and they're all wiped out. But this is the promise before that happened. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you, say it with me, today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Don't you wish that could happen, you know, like sporadically in, in your world, you know? Your professor, you will never see him or her again, you know? I mean, we don't wish any ill will on anyone, but I mean, that's a pretty bold statement. Here comes your enemies, here comes the army. Hey, here's what you need to know. You just stand firm, because you're never gonna see them again. They're gonna sink down to the depths of the sea, and you're gonna sing about it in a little while, because I'm gonna move on your behalf. He goes on to say this um, in the next part of that sentence. He says, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only stand still. See, that, that translates into the New Testament, Ephesians, where it says, put on the whole armor of God. 
that you may be able to do what? It's an interesting little phrase, isn't it? It doesn't say put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, take up the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith so that you can fight. It says take on the armor of God and having done all, stand. You see, our role and it doesn't mean that we're detached from the process. Please understand. It just means that internally we understand that God is the one who is promising us as we move on our journey to fight for us. Now, now see the difference here, though. We've already been hallowed, holy, heavenly Father. And now we've seen your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we understand that the angel armies of God, the warriors of God, they don't fight to accomplish your will. And they do not fight to bring your kingdom or my kingdom. They fight to accomplish God's purposes and God's will and to establish God's kingdom. So if we've sort of got a plan and we hit a roadblock and then we say, oh God, send in the reinforcements, it's not going to work out as much as if we are yielded into the story, the fame, the renown of God in our spot of earth, and we come against opposition and we say, God, we are up against it here, but we want your name to be known. Will you send in your army? Will you come on our behalf? In that moment, God says, oh yeah, I'm already in process because I will accomplish my will and my purpose, and the angel armies are already fighting on your behalf. God's promising that to you and me. So that we get in these dilemmas where we want to defend ourselves. And I know what that's about. We want to speak up and tell everybody the deal. God's saying, you just stay faithful to what I've called you to do. And you know that I will fight for my cause. And I will defend my kingdom. Exodus 14, 13, so powerful. But then look at Exodus 23, verse 20. It says, see, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way. And to bring you to the place that I have prepared. I love this passage because when you start digging into how this happened, it happened in different ways. At one point, they marched around the city and did what we sang about in shout. They lifted up a shout of praise and the walls of the whole city came down. But in other cases, God would just do the miraculous in different ways. And it talks about some of their enemies, and they're going against these great armed forces of the people who are living in the land that God promised them. And as they're coming to fight these fights, it says in one place, God sent a swarm of hornets ahead of them against the enemy. Now, that, I just love the sound of that. Because I'm thinking about an army, you know, they're, they're, here come the Israelites. Oh, we're going we're gonna to blow them away because look at us. We're all suited up in all of our gear and we're all, you know, kitted up in all of our chariots and we got our horses and we got our weapons and we are ready for them. And as you're looking out toward the battle, waiting for the Israelites to come over the hill, this little ragtag, not real well-armed group of people, here comes a swarm of hornets coming right at you like a cloud of black dread and they just descend on you. You understand what's happening now? You got your little breastplate thing on, but a hornet goes up underneath that, and he's just working some real serious business on you up under the thing. So what are you doing? You're taking that off. You got one going down the boot. What are you doing? You're taking the boot off. Now you got a bunch of undressed warriors with hornets all around them, finally deciding, we got to get out of here. And it says, when Israel came over the hill, they saw their enemies fleeing before them, a dark cloud of doom and pain just swirling all over him because God said, I will fight for you. Now, there's a place to stand up for yourself. There's a place to step up and let your voice be heard. There's a place 
to fight for truth. But that's different than having the attitude that I have to fight all my own battles in this life. The attitude is whether we're walking around the city or whether we're watching the hornets go or whether we have to actually get on the witness stand ourselves, we believe that it is God who is going to fight for us. It's in the box. The third thing that's in the box is God's promise to meet your physical needs. And he's promising you that simply by saying, I'll give you your daily bread. Now, we get confused a lot of times. We confuse our wants with our needs. And when God doesn't provide our wants, we take issue with him. But trust me, he is good to provide the things that you and I need every single day of our lives. I mean, that's what's in the, in the deal. I don't know what you had in your box, but I always had one of these guys in my box. A uh, ham sandwich every, every single day. Um, but there was one of these in there. Uh, there was always a bag of chips in, in, the, in the deal. Some of you are like, this is old school. I know, it's crazy, maybe. But um, this isn't even seven grain bread right here. You know, what, what about that? I mean, amazing. Um, there was always a piece of fruit in my box. You know, you just throw that in the trash every single day. And um, <laughs> that's just the way it went down. And, um, and then you're, you're hoping for this guy right here. This was really what you were living for right here. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? This is making you feel better, isn't it? Because this is this. Can I just open this to your mind? I want to show you what this is in case you just arrived in America. This is, uh, this is a little round bundle of absolute awesome right here. Check that out because that's what you've been waiting for all morning heading to lunch right there. That is synthetic, man-made, chemically produced, wonderful. That's what that is. Come on, bro. I know, you, I know you want it. I know you want it. There you go. Enjoy. Enjoy that. You're welcome. And you know, I don't even know if this is legal or not, so just bear with me, but there could have been one of these in, in the box right here. Uh, is it even legal to have one of these in America right now? I don't know. We, might, we had to import these off the black market. But, you know, that, that's, what was in, that's what was in the box. And, and Jesus is saying to us, you can count on me to provide your sustenance for the day. Literally, physically, I will provide your daily bread. Today, I will give you what you need. And what he was really wanting us to understand that in the process of that, he wasn't really giving us tomorrow's need today, but he was giving us what we need today. He even went on to expound on this a few verses down in the same chapter, and he opens it up for us in verse 25 of Matthew 6. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. He knew that the temptation was going to be to lean over into this unknown time zone over here and start stressing out about everything instead of believing that we weren't going to want as the sons and daughters of God in this day, in this moment right here. He said, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The answer is, of course we are. 
Who of you by worrying then can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He continues, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father, going back to him again, knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, shift into this prayer. Shift away from God. We don't know how it's going to work out next Friday. We don't know how it's all going to come together next Friday. We don't really know what's going to happen next Friday. And just shift into God. You are going to be faithful to me to provide for me today. And part of that provision may be the mental aptitude to prepare for Friday. But I'm not going to ask you to give us Friday's provision today. We're going to trust that when Friday comes, you will come through. And you help us know what we need to do to participate in that. But we are going to stand in this day and receive from you and trust in you that you are going to put food in our box and it is going to be enough for us to move through the day. The fourth thing that God has promised in the box is that he actually himself has promised to go with you through the day. So there's a big mood shift going on right now. It's not just that he is giving us things. It's that he is giving us himself. He is promising us himself. Moses asked for this in Exodus 33. He said, God, don't lead us up unless your presence goes with us. And God responds in Exodus 33:14 and says, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. You know, in the old days, it was powerful because God had a cloud by day. I mean, it'd be so nice for us sometimes to know that the cloud goes left, the people go left. The cloud goes right, the people go right. If the cloud stops, the people stop. The cloud moves, the people move. And then at night, same thing, pillar of fire. How would you love that, to have a pillar of fire that went around with you at nighttime and you knew where you were going because this fire is going before you? In the same way, God is saying, that was amazing for them, but a new miracle has happened for you. They had a cloud and they had fire, but you actually get me, Jesus Christ, living inside of you. You get the presence of God living in your life. I am promising you your daily bread, and guess what? I'm the daily bread. You get me every single day of your life. That is just absolutely incredible. And it's a big shift. And it's something that we don't really take advantage of us. And I want you to know that in the box, just a little something you can remember. That in the box is the presence of God. The promise of the presence of God is with you every single day. And God is saying to you, I myself <laughs> cannot be extinguished. <laughs> and I will come through the person of Christ and I will be in you. 
and I will be with you. And every single day, when you open the tent curtain, it won't be manna on the ground. It'll be me. (laughs) It'll be me. And I promise you, I will be with you every day. You know, so many people are lonely, even in our oversaturated technological world. So many people are lonely. And God is saying, you are not going to be alone. And I know that you have a daily bread need of companionship, and I'm telling you, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I love how it says this in the journey of God's people in Exodus 19, verse 3. This is so cool. It says, then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves, oh, this is so powerful. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. See, a shift is happening now. It's not about getting to heaven. It's not about getting to the promised land anymore. It's not about what's in the box and what's, gonna, what's God going to put in the box for me today. It's about understanding that we get Jesus today, that this is the payoff today. This is what it's all about. This is what he said in John 6, verse 57. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of this Father. So the one who feeds on Me will live because of me. Whoever links in to who I am will find life and sustenance in me. And then he comes back around and brings it full circle. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He's saying, hey, the manna was great. Every morning, amazing. Every morning, what is it? Every morning, a miracle. Do you want to go back there? Is that what you want? Do you want to wake up and look out the, pull the drapes on your apartment complex and see white stuff all over the parking lot and everybody's car? Is that what you want? You want to see it today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day if you get all those days? Or do you understand that I am actually the bread of life and I have come down out of heaven to offer you me. And we say, man, I I want a miracle in my life, you know, like they used to do in the Old Testament. Oh, okay, well, if that's what you want, we can get you white stuff on the ground. Me and Brad will come around after you go to sleep tonight. We'll take white bread and tear it up and get a little soggy, and we'll just paste it all out on the patio so when you wake up tomorrow, you can have a miracle like they used to have. Look, people say, I'd like to see a miracle like in the old days. No, you don't. You want a miracle like we have in today, and then the miracle in today is that Christ has come from heaven to earth, and he's offering to you himself as the bread of life. And when he circles back around this, he closes the circle of hope and he helps us understand what the gospel teaches, that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You start to understand, it's not about the Twinkie, it's not about the whatever the thing was you all ate, it's not about the chips and the warriors and, you know, the little stuff and stuff. What you really start understanding that, that Jesus is in, in the box, You start realizing that this was a shift for me. You know, it, it, Jesus is in the box, right? 
It's just about being, having Jesus in the box. And then there's another shift, and the new shift is, it's like, no, Jesus is not in the box. Jesus does not live in a box. So we're not going to be cruising through the day going, you know, everything's kind of going all fine, and I got my little deal with me, and I'm hanging out, and everything's good, but oh, oh, hang on, hang on, check it out. Oh, step back, step back, you know, take that right there. Hello, I got Jesus in here. Back it up, people. That's what I'm telling you. No, you know, no. no Jesus, Jesus doesn't, uh, doesn't live in the box. He doesn't come in the box. No. He is the box. And what the shift is, is to know every single day God is offering you himself. You know, truth be told, we'd we just rather there be a treasure map in here. You know, we pull it out and open it up and it could say, here's the rocky beach and over here's the jungly, you know, whatever, and here's the big creek and here's the waterfall and down here is where the treasure is hidden. So go this way, around this way, come through here and that's what you're looking for right there. That's kind of what we want from God. And the reason there isn't a treasure map in the box and why there isn't a blueprint in the box and why there is no set of instructions in the box is because if there were instructions in the box, Jesus wouldn't see us again until the next time we needed instructions. And he knows that our daily bread isn't a blueprint, but our daily bread is the God who created us. And he says, every single day, I promise you me. I promise you my presence in your life with you, you get me. And then there's one last thing in the box for us today. And the last thing in the box, you know what it is? It's an opportunity. The last thing in the box is an opportunity. And I'll show you how this works. It's an opportunity for you and me to reflect back to the world that our God is the God who is enough for today. You know what we've often reflected to the world? We've reflected to the world that we're not sure God's going to come through for us tomorrow. Because they see the worry all over our face. They hear the story that we're telling. And all we're telling is, I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't figure it out. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what's going to go down. And we're reflecting to the world. We're not sure my God's big enough to come through for me tomorrow. And again, tomorrow is stealing my opportunity to reflect to the world that God is coming through for me today. And what I want to reflect to the world is that Jesus is enough for today. And it's, that's what it's all about. That's where the shift comes. That's where the your kingdom come, your will be done shift happens. It's not about me saying, oh, I love it. I love Twinkies. Thank you so much. And I love the sandwich. And I'm going to take that. And I'll, I'll even take the fruit, man. And thank you for this guy, man. You just keep doing your thing. And Jesus, I got you here. I'm going to put you close to my heart. You know, this is awesome. And, and I'm going down the road. Come on, everybody. I got all this amazing stuff from God. And God's saying, why do you think I'm doing all this for you? Why am I choosing to provide for you to be 
be with you, to live in you, to fight for you, to defend you, to love you. Why am I doing all that? Ultimately, so that it can shine a giant light on me and the world can see that I am God. As you reflect to the world, today Jesus is enough for me. That was the opportunity for the Israelites. Exact same thing, Exodus 34, verse 10. Then the Lord said, I'm making a covenant with you before all your people. I have a sandwich in my pocket. (laughs) Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among, check it out, We'll see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Now we're talking about a major shift. Because when I fail to let Jesus just be enough for me today, I lose my opportunity to reflect to the world that Jesus is enough for me. And that simply is our message. I ran into a guy at one of the venues we were in, and you know, it's just a kind of a weird world going to these hockey arenas and basketball arenas, and we're down in the underground of these, of these arenas, and you run into all different kinds of people. And coming in a couple days ago, I ran into this guy just in the back hall, and I just trying to be nice to him. I said, hey, how are you doing today? How's your day going? He said, fine. He goes, what is this tonight? Because it looked like I was kind of with the crew. And he said, what, what is this tonight? And I said, I was trying to, my mind just kind of like the wheels turned real fast. Because you learn over time, you get that question. And you start with, it's a concert. And then you know they're going to ask, well, what kind of concert is it? Uh, it's a, uh, uh, you don't want to say Christian concert. You want to say it's music. That's what it is. But that's not really what it is. So you're going like, yeah, 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 yeah. who is it? And then you tell them who it is. And they go, I've never heard of them. And then you, you so, so I've just figured out the better way to get around the whole question is, um, hey, what is this tonight? And I said, this is it, the best way to tell is church tonight. We're going to have church in there tonight. We're going to have, it's going to look like a concert. It's going to be amazing music. The guy leading is going to be phenomenal. We're going to open the word of God. We're going to talk about Jesus. It's going to be like a big, giant church service in there tonight. And he's like, really? I was like, yeah. He goes, and what do you do in the night? I said, I'm the, the preacher. And he goes, really? Said, yeah. And it's tense. It's just awkward in that moment. You know, you, you ever been there before? You ever got to that moment before? You, you should become a pastor. I, I'd encourage you all to do that. It just creates these nice little awkward moments in life. And so he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and we're in the underground of this thing, and he's got a job to do, and I'm headed down to some stuff I got to do. But we're having this moment, and it's awkward right here. And, and I used to just sort of, you know, let the moment dwindle into awkwardness, but now I just figured, why not lean into the awkwardness? So my, my best response at that point was to say, so, so what do you think about all that? Yeah, we're going to have church. We're going to lift up Jesus. We're going to open the word together. I'm actually the dude that's going to preach. So what do you think about all that? And he goes, just like that, he goes, well, I don't buy it. I think blah, blah, blah. I don't believe in all that stuff. And I was like, now it's tense again. Tension is built up again now. And I was like, wow, okay, great. He doesn't buy it. He doesn't believe in it. And he just let me know in no uncertain terms. He actually cussed right in front of a pastor. I mean, it's tense. It's tense. And so I could have said, well, 
Right on then. Okay, God bless you. Good talking to you, man. Hope you have a good night. Or I could have said, you know, if you have some time, why don't you come down to my dressing room and I'll do a 45-minute apologetic presentation on why you should believe in God. We didn't have time to go get coffee, and I'm scrambling in my mind, and I'm thinking, God, how do I, how do I lean into this moment right here in a way that would really be helpful to him and to you? And it just came to me, and I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but I said, um, so you don't, you don't believe any of it? He goes, no, and then he kind of elaborated a little bit why he'd sort of checked out on all that kind of thinking and people who believe stuff like that. And I said, okay, that's cool. I said, can I ask you something? He said, sure. I said, if there was a God who could work miraculously, what's one thing that you would like for him to do in your life? And without even blinking, is, is it somehow he had been prepped for the question? Well, even taking a breath, he said, oh, I'd like to see, bam. And he tells me about a very perplexing situation in his family. And he said, I'd like God to fix that. I said, well, why don't we do this? Since you don't believe that any of this stuff matters and you really don't believe in him, what if we just do this? What if I were to pray and ask God if he would intervene in your world and in this specific way in your family? Because I'd like to do that. And I said, and I will do that. And I said, and... If God moves and if things change, then you'll remember that we stood in this hallway and you'll remember our conversation and maybe it will be a little step of you seeing that God is alive and that he cares about you. He said, all right, and that was it. And he went on his way, and I went on my way, and I was like, God, did, did I just do something good or bad? I don't know if that was a good or a bad thing that just happened right there. And as I'm walking, I'm, I'm telling God what I'm telling you right now. I don't, I don't have any kind of, you know, thinking that says I tell God what to do. I, I don't, God is not on my agenda, trust me. He's not on my timeline. He doesn't do things when I tell him to do things. He's not at my beck and call. And I, and I, I, I said, I'm not trying to speak for you. I'm not trying to say that, you know, that you're going to do X, Y, Z in any timeline. I just figured, God, we were in kind of a moment right there. And the only thing I knew to do in that moment was in the littlest way that I could. And it was a tiny way. It was just to hold up a mirror in that moment and say, I believe God will come through. I don't know exactly when or how the schedule will work or what the timing is. But I believe if you want to see that God is real, that God will show you that he is real. So I'm just going to trust God. I don't feel like I need to defend God. I resigned from defending God a long time ago. And if you're living on a college campus or working in a business world somewhere or out trying to change culture, you got to resign from the job role of defending God. God can defend himself. In fact, you don't need to defend God. God is the one who is defending you. Oh, you can speak intelligently, but come on. We're not going to defend God to the people who say he's not there, but we can reflect to them that we believe that he is enough for us, and that if we lean toward him, he's going to be enough for them. 
And there's really probably not anybody on planet Earth who's going to tell you no to that question. Because what do they have to lose? What did that guy have to lose? I don't even believe in it. Go pray your prayer. Go talk to your God. Go, go, go take my family before your higher power. What do I have to lose? I don't even believe in it. It's not going to hurt me. I'll never see you again. And in just a tiny way, we're hoping that we just say, I believe Jesus is enough for today. And, and I believe he's even enough for hard things. I don't say that glibly. We're not talking about bumper sticker faith. We're not talking about little platitudes for spiritual people. But can I tell you the honest truth? God is still doing miracles. We're going to honor the life of a young woman tomorrow who went to heaven on Valentine's Day, who from everyone who's known her has said, if, if you saw her life, even just months ago, you would have seen the worst, the hardest, the most difficult. But in his own way, all by himself, Almighty God broke in. And he opened up the heavens and he poured out grace and he poured out love and he poured out mercy and her heart came to life and she started having a beating heart of life and she fell in love with Jesus and she come and sit in here with you and hear God teach and dive into his word and awaken to a whole new framework of thinking that her life mattered to God. Miracles are still happening and they're happening all around us right now so don't think you're putting God out on the ledge when you say to somebody I believe God can come through I, 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 God hasn't given me a clear answer on whether I got that one right or not but he didn't come around and say oh my gosh you have really put me up against it now I got to figure out how to do something in this circumstance, I really felt more like he just laughed and said, this is awesome. This is awesome. Life is awesome. Let's occupy the hallway. <laughs> oh, man, what a privilege. What a privilege. So here's the thing. All that God has promised you is only good for today. And some of you are about eight hours in to being awake. And you still haven't tapped into any of it. my goodness can you feel the wind like blowing in the car right now we're like going over three miles per hour right now with this kind of thinking and we're believing in Jesus 
what are we believing? Jesus is enough.